What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, fresh off of getting married last weekend. I recorded the last episode before getting married, so behind the cam- behind the scenes action here, this is the first one I'm recording since. So I just want to say thank you to all of you who said such kind words on social media to me, gave us nice congratulations and stuff like that. It was very much appreciated. We felt the love when we were getting married, and it was super nice of all of you to do that. All right, sappy stuff aside, let's get to this week's episode of the show. We got Butch on Out of Character this week, formerly known as Pete Dunn, part of the Brawlin' Brutes, a guy who doesn't speak out of character too often, especially for 45 minutes where we're just sitting here picking his brain a little bit out of his comfort zone. But I'm super excited to have him here because he's a very interesting dude. And and uh, I think that he has been killing it as part of the Brawlin' Brutes. I think that they are moving up the ranks and I am loving what they're doing. So I'm glad we finally got Butch on the show. Before we get to our conversation, though, I just want to say one thing. If you're watching this on YouTube, please go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. That's where you can find this show in audio form, but also you can find two other shows a week. You can find the Raw and SmackDown Roundup podcast, where I break both of those shows down segment by segment, talking about everything that I thought about everything that happened on the show. There's lots of stuff on there. You know, they used to be like 20 minutes. Now they're like 45 minutes of me just breaking down everything because a lot of stuff is happening weekly in WWE again. And I think that you should be checking out these podcasts. I might be talking to myself, but I'm technically talking to you and them, and I think you'll enjoy them. I work pretty hard on them. So give it a shot. If you're watching on video, go check out the Out of Character podcast feed. All right, enough shilling for my podcast feed. Let's get to this week's conversation with Butch. Asking you the same thing I ask every other guest, and that is, how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV? Um, yeah, I think that was a big moment where it started to click for me when I sort of uh, embraced a lot of my own personality. Um, since the the Butch stuff, and there's a, a little bit more crazy, a little bit more unpredictable, right? But especially with the, the Bruiserweight stuff and what I was doing in NXT and that sort of moody vibe that comes with it, um, for years, I would get told, like, do you ever smile? I'd get those kind of questions. Um, I would have, you know, I've got that resting moody face. Do you know what I mean? So uh, when I started to embrace that, instead of trying to be a almost stereotypical good guy or whatever else, and kind of just embrace the, you know, how I naturally come across to people, things started to click a lot better for me. So there's a, there's a fair bit, but, you know, it's still entertainment, still pro wrestling, whatever you want to say. You know, it's, it's still amped up and, you're in different scenarios that you that uh, you know as a normal person you would never come across. So there's there's definitely elements of it. Well, what words would you use to describe your actual off-screen personality, the way you perceive yourself? Because I know other people say, "Oh, you don't smile enough" or whatever. But like, how do you you know how would you describe yourself, the person? Well, things changed so much in my life over the past few years. You know, now I have a daughter who's about to turn four years old. Uh, I'm a husband. You know, I have this life in Florida with this young family. So. Uh, I'm changing as a person too. When I first started doing the Bruiserweight stuff and I got born into NXT, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was, I probably was a bit more angry, a bit more moody. I probably did come across that way a little bit more. But as I mature and get older and obviously raising a child, especially a little girl, it definitely softens you up. So, um, yeah, I think I'm probably quite a lot different to how I'm perceived on TV these days. So you're saying you've become a little bit of a softie since you've become a dad? 
Yeah, definitely. Around the house, at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? It's, it's harder to leave to now. Before, my life was wrestling. And uh, that changes a lot, too. You know, now I'm, I'm wrestling, but it's for them to provide for them and give them the best life that I can. Um, and I'm grateful that I get to do that through through uh, through the WWE and through wrestling. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a lot softer, at least in the home life than I used to be. But you know, you got to you got to embrace it. Um, it's I love wrestling. I always will. But being a dad is a million times better than that, right? What's your favorite thing about being a dad? Uh, just seeing her grow up, and now she's starting to get that that personality. And now you know. Uh, I was just down there doing a workout in the house, and uh, she's in the she's in the garage gym with me, doing the same thing, setting up little obstacles and stuff that she can jump off, and uh, starting to develop that bond of an hour where there's a bit of a, a friendship coming on. You know, obviously the, the past few years, it's raising a uh, a baby has its own challenges, but now she's coming into her own, and you're seeing that personality develop, and she's making us laugh every day. So it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but the, the whole experience has just been incredible. I mean, you're watching kind of like disney and pixar movies around the house all the time and stuff it's like moving wallpaper here it's, it's all we do <laughs> it's just funny because i picture you know on the outside you look like this tough bruiser weight guy you know ready to fight but at home you're watching like you know up and pixar movies i like i like the, that dynamic right there well i think that's where this this resting moody face uh comes into handy for me you see me walking around disney or whatever hopefully i've still got that that straight face that meme will me um, even if I am, you know, holding my daughter's hand, walking around Disney and having a great time. Does that mean you're, are you, are you the kind of guy wearing like the, the Mickey ears to, to, to you know, blend in with the family? <laughs> that's a step too far. That's a step too far. My wife wishes, but yeah, that's a step too far. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up near Disneyland out here in, in California and I could never go that far either with it. Like I love Disney too. Like I, I had a pass when I would live over, you know, I lived near Anaheim and, you know, love Disney, but yeah, I always felt like the the ears, the pins were just like a step too far for me. Yeah, like for me, I had no obviously no interest in it really. You know, but since having that daughter, and my wife obviously was really into it too when she was a kid. But um, having a having a daughter that you can take around and seeing how she reacts to it all, uh, like we, we have the passage too, and we're there all the time. She loves it and moving wallpaper in the house with those Disney films. So. Yeah, probably the polar opposite of Butch, the Bruiser Way, whatever. Probably the, the polar opposite, right? What's your favorite Disney movie? Uh, I, I don't care. Whatever she's into at the time, it depends. I don't know. I, I can't pick. <laughs> there is a lot of them. There is a lot to choose the, from. The one with the rock in, Moana. The one with the rock in. We'll say that. Smart. Smart man here. He's like, I'm picking Moana here. That way the rock sees this. Maybe we get a quote tweet from him. <laughs> <laughs> is that why, though? You know, okay, so I feel like since you've become a dad, and even more so a little before that, just from following your career and stuff, it seemed to me from just a fan perspective that you prefer to live a bit more of a private life. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, even doing this now feels completely unnatural for me to uh, come on here completely guard down and just be myself. But um, I, I was always like that anyway. Obviously, when you have when you have a family like this, you have your guard up a little bit more, at least, at least I do. But I always... I always was like that before. I went to make sure I take a photo of any fan, of course, and people are nice. But when once that that camera's out to take a photo, the meme mugs back on. Um, I think that's just that that's part of the enjoyment of of pro wrestling, right? If if I was to take a picture of somebody with a gigantic smile on my face, you know, they'd turn around and say, "That's not you. Why are you doing that?" It'd be weird and uncomfortable, right? Um, they're fans of what they they see on TV. 
like I was when I was a kid. Or you know, even now when you see people that you watch as a child and they walk backstage, you kind of there's a, obviously there's a real person there, but there's that element where you want them to be what you thought they were. Um, so yeah, I try and I try and keep the, keep the two lives as separate as possible, at least for now, especially while she's so young. Gunther is someone who kind of did that for a long time too. We're very similar, the two of you on social media, where it was kind of like you were, you know, uh, maybe promoting your matches and stuff like that, but not really like showing too much of your personal life on social media. It was more like the wrestling, the wrestling, you know, pushing the character and stuff. And lately I've seen Gunther on social media kind of like posting pictures with his family or like smoking cigars, just like hanging out or like having fun in the jungle. And I'm like, oh, it's interesting to see like another side of him. And he was on the show here too. And it was like, the complete 180 of what I would have expected from him. And, and you're someone who I've been wanting to get on here as well, because it's like, I don't even know like, like what you would do for fun. You're not really someone who's like posting, you know, your hobbies or anything on social media. You seem to be very focused on, on your, you know, your family and your goals. Yeah. I mean, it's cliche. I think now a lot of people say, but I genuinely just don't enjoy social media. That's the other side of it. I think you can go out and have a match that you're super proud of, whether it's a live event, uh, you know, pay-per-view, SmackDown, whatever it is, you can go out and you can remember it for what it was and hear the reactions of the people and all of that. Or you can come back, look at your phone. And then even if it's, you know, even if it's positive, whether it's positive or, or negative, if you believe one, you've kind of got to take on the other. It's not fair to do it either way, right? If you start believing all the positive stuff you read, you've got to take on that negative just the same. You can't ignore one or the other. So for me, I just prefer to go out and enjoy what I do. You can hear from the people in the building if it was good or or, or bad or what we could do better. Um, and so, yeah, I just try and try and live a little little more in the moment. Uh, I'm not somebody that spends a whole lot of time on social media, to be honest. Yeah, I. it's funny. You know, I think a lot of people in this, you know, current time period feel like social media is part of their job to a degree of like, oh, well, I have to be, you know, present or I have to be you know, seen at all times. And I think it's, I, I, I'm genuinely envious of the people who have been able to engineer their brain to think a different way and just live their life in the now, like we used to do before. It's, 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 a uh, it's hard to engineer your brain like that when you've been on social media your whole life. Well, there's, there's two parts of it, right? There's the part of it where you can say, you know, it's, it's useful for your job as people would say. And there's that element, obviously why I keep it. But then also, there's times that it's amazing. You know, we've raised a ton of money for charity in the past um, through, you know, just having that social media presence. So I'm grateful for every single person that follows me or Seamus or Ridge or when I was with Tyler and Trent in the past. Um, and you can do some great things with it. This, You know, the live event we were at this past weekend, there was a lad called Keegan who's in remission from uh, cancer and we were able to get him up in the ring and being able to, you know, film that and have photos of that that we can then share online and, and share his amazing story. Um, so, it, you know, there's times where it's absolutely amazing. And to be honest, most of the time, for me personally, it's been great. Um, and then, like you said, the flip side of it is it's great for our job. We can promote our own stuff, especially when I was independent and you sign merchandise and that kind of stuff. Or we have a great episode of SmackDown or something we want to promote. So uh, it's, it's mostly positive for me don't don't get me wrong it's just not something that i choose to spend a whole lot of my week um engaging with smart yeah i'm trying to get better at limiting my social media time I'm not doing great at it but I'm, tr I'm trying to get better uh but you talked about them you talked about seamus and ridge uh so in march of this year you were called up to the main roster 
Uh, you had a new name. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that all went down from, you know, you being an NXT to you being part of the Brawling Brutes? Stuff originally happened. I knew that I was bound to be called up in the the coming months, years, whatever it was going to be. But the destination had changed. Before that, I was all about NXT. I loved NXT, what we were doing in the UK and then moving over here. Um, I was in no rush at all to get up to the main roster. And I've been lucky because, you know, I'd been a part of the Royal Rumble. I got to do so many different European tours and, and all that kind of stuff on the main roster. So um, I was relatively content. I, I loved NXT. But when the 2.0 stuff happened, I realized, right, it's on the horizon. I'm bound to, to get called up. That's what I need to aim for. So they started bringing me up for um, main event matches and uh, dark matches and that kind of thing, I guess, to either get me in front of uh, Vince or, you know, maybe just to test the waters with it. Uh, and then it kind of went quiet for a few weeks and I finished up in NXT. And then after that, it was very casual, to be honest. I had flights come through for, for that SmackDown where I debuted. And um, then when I was I was just about to board the plane, I got a call saying uh, the new name and, the you know, a, a basic rundown of the vision. And uh, yeah, then, then I spent the next, well, the whole flight thinking to myself, how is this going to be received? Knowing how it was going to be received for the most part. And uh, sort of weighing up my options of, of what I wanted to do with it. And luckily, I have a great um, network around me in wrestling. You know, I was able to call William Regal, Shawn Michaels, get their opinion on it. And, you know, the, the sort of overriding sort of conclusion I came to was Pete Dunne, the name, that isn't why people connect with me. People connect with me through what I do in the ring. And, you know, it's taken a while to get there, but... Once I get that time in the ring to show people what I can do, I, I have and will continue to connect with the audience. And there's a lot of people now that really have come around to the, the Butch character, um, whatever that means now. But there's a lot of people that like the work that we did. Um, and especially now I'm getting that time to go out there and wrestle. That, that's what I knew I, I needed, whether it was a name change or not, a gimmick change or not, wh whatever it is. Put me in the ring, I know I can connect with the audience. And luckily I can lean on people like Regal, like Sean, um, to sort of reaffirm those ideas in my head. And I'm so glad that, that I did take that advice. What was the, like, short description of what they wanted the character to be that they told you? Well, pretty much all I got from, on that phone call was, your name's Butch, we're going to change how you look, things are going to change. And it was, it was short and sweet. And for me, I didn't want to get too far into it on the phone. It was a case of, uh, okay, I'll see you at TV. And there's aspects of it that I found really exciting that, you know, being in that group with Seamus and, uh, you know, being a part of something with him, somebody that, you know, we're from a similar part of the world, but we've never really crossed paths. That was an exciting prospect. And obviously I've teamed with Ridge in the past and, I've, you know, we're close, our families are close. So being able to, to help him out and bring him up a level, if possible, was an exciting prospect too. Um, and then obviously, the, to be honest, the, the main source of sort of, anxiety or, or anxiousness with it was the way it was going to be received. I, I back myself every time to, like I say, if you give me that time in the ring, I'm going to connect with the crowd. I'm going to put on a show, right? I, I back myself to do that every time, but knowing how that was going to be re received, that was a, a pretty um, anxious, tense time. But the second it was out there and then, and then, you know, you get that wave of people saying, what's this? This is not what we wanted. You know, your guard comes down. It's no reflection on you. If anything, I took it as a huge positive because the fact that people were so uh, upset by it at times or, or concerned about it or worried about it, 
it shows how into what we've done in the past they were and I'm grateful for every single one of them. Like I'll, People come up to me all the time and say, when are you going to be Pete Dunne again? Or I miss the Bruiserweight, I miss the NXT stuff. And I'm not somebody who's ever going to have a, a problem with that. Whether you like the butch stuff we did uh, before now or what we're doing now, or whether it was the Bruiserweight stuff, whatever point that you connected with what we were doing, I'm completely grateful for. My life's changed because of it all. So, yeah, no complaints here. I think one of the reasons it's been successful, because you're right in everything that you just said, like you knew the fans were going to overreact, and they obviously did. They, they were obviously like, how could you do this, blah, blah. But I think that one of the reasons it's it's – already kind of like not something that people have dwelled on is because of the way you committed to it. I think that some people might have gone on social media and been like, this is dumb or, you know, or maybe liked some negative tweets about the change or whatever. But, you know, you instead you committed to it and you even amped up the character that we had seen on TV for, you know, so long and and amped it up to a new level to where you're like whoa butch is crazy dude like but pete dunn was cool but butch is like a rabid animal that will pounce on you at any time like you're like the 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 big dog in the house that like when someone goes careful that dog might bite and you go no dogs love me and then they're already pounced on top of them that's like the way i would describe butch so i think that you really committing to it has been a big part of why you know it's it's something that people are now into and not dwelling on the past. Yeah, so obviously I'm I've been wrestling a long time, you know, I'm wrestling this was going into the 16th year, but I'm still a young person, right? And I realize I have a long road ahead of me. So some of the people I respect the most in wrestling, the likes of, you know, William Regal, you know, someone like Kurt Angle, you, the the mem the sort of moments that people remember aren't necessarily the incredible matches that they put on, right? Look at Kurt Angle as, as the example. He had some of the greatest matches anyone's seen. But when he does his Hall of Fame speech, it's all about those moments that made them laugh. Um, and that's not me committing to being, um, to being a, a comedy character all the time. But it's fine if there's times in my career, like the, the tag stuff that I did with Matt Riddle, that might be somebody's favourite portion of my career that they look back on. There's going to be times where you step into a different role. And I've been so serious for so long in... Uh, NXT and then when I was just getting to the point where I feel like okay I can really uh, be at the forefront of NXT instead of being that you know number two number three guy or whatever then it all changed it all completely changed flipped on its head and that wasn't the direction anymore so for me it was just a case of embrace whatever's given whether that is something serious whether there's a chance to make people laugh uh, there's a chance to be, make people excited or sad or well, whatever it is I'm just going to have to embrace that and anything that comes along. And then hopefully at the end of my career, people look back and go, okay, there was loads of great matches. I like this one. I like that one. Or yeah, he made me laugh that time when he was teaming with Matt Riddle or, you know, wh whatever it was that they felt at that time, who knows who jumped on along the way. And what I will say about, especially about the earlier Butch stuff, it's the first time in my career that when I meet people on the street, they say, you're my kid's favorite wrestler. It's, it's always been before, you know, you're my favorite wrestler or, you know, it, it's always it's always the the people around a similar age to me, uh, that demographic. Whereas now it's a lot more like, oh, my kid loves you, and and that was nice to see that. Okay, now I'm connecting with a completely different portion of the audience. And trust me, when I'm when I'm in the ring, it's gonna come back around again, and I'm the same guy playing the same show. That's got to be so cool to hear that, especially as a parent to have other you know parents tell you like you're my kid's favorite wrestler. I know for me. 
when I go to a wrestling show, like WWE, when I go to a WWE show, not necessarily the indies, and you're sitting next to all these little kids and you see how much they're into it and you see, you know, them just, just their pure joy for what they're watching. You go like, oh, this is why I still watch. Like, this was me when I was a kid. And this is why I still care as much as I do now to where I'll complain on the internet about stuff. And so um, it's, I, I, it's got to be cool to hear that. Yeah, it's great. And, and like I say, it's just a nice uh, nod for me to go. Because to be honest, I didn't think I necessarily had that in my in my pocket. I didn't think that was something that was, was my niche almost, especially with what I was doing in NXT, especially that last sort of uh, year there where it was all these serious longer matches. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily something where I'm the first guy that kids are going to gravitate towards. So now hearing that, it's like, okay, well, I've got that in my back pocket too. That's something I can lean into. I can be a bit more fun and, and connect with those people. Um but yeah, the, for me now, it's a case of merging the two to some to some degree, right? And you, you can see the, the changes visually, at least. But I don't always have to be funny or always be at 100, always be ready to rip someone's head off. You know, that, that, there's something I've got there. I've shown that I can get crazy. I can do that. I've shown I can make people laugh a little bit. And just being able to, to have variety in my performance is something I'm working towards and something that I'm proud of when I look back at the last year or two. Um, that's something I'm proud of. So what's it been like to sit under the learning tree of Seamus? Obviously, he's a future Hall of Famer, and he has so much knowledge for the business. It must be cool to be working side-by-side side with him now. The great thing about Seamus is how hungry he still is. Um, obviously, he's been with WWE probably as long as I've been wrestling now. It's, you know, it's up there 14, 15 years, whatever it is. But he's as hungry as day one, and... Uh, he actually says uh, quite a few times, uh, it's probably better to come from him than me, but he said multiple times that this is his favourite and best run of his career because this connection that he's got with the crowd now is so organic and real. And a lot of it, like from my perspective, is it's built on the effort that he's putting in in those matches. Um, and I think that's almost more rewarding than, than any other run he would have had up to this point. He's had some great moments and some great matches. And, you know, the, the tag team with Cesaro was great and people love that, but when you're out there now on those live events and, and we're going to these random towns all over the place, there's like a visceral reaction when he comes out and you can see how proud he is of that. And he wants to, but he's not satisfied with it. He wants to keep pushing forward and not just to elevate us, but to to have the best run of his career, even though he's been there that long. Uh, and that's, that's the most impressive thing about Seamus, I think. Yeah, he, dude, that's such a good way of describing him. You know, he's definitely still so hungry for it, even though, He's, he's won almost every title. He still wants the one that he hasn't got. You know, he he's someone that just constantly wants to still be getting better. And like you said, I agree, dude. I think he is on the run of his career. I think that a lot of people had to uh, rethink how they wrestle during the pandemic. There was no audience there, and they had to kind of, like, change how they were doing it to get a better reaction television-wise without the audience there to react to things. And from the pandemic on, like, he has just been consistently, in my opinion, one of the top three wrestlers in the industry. Like, he never has a bad match. He is always killing it. And you can see that he's just been getting better and better and better. And that's crazy to say for someone who's been in the business for, like you said, 15 years or whatever. But you can see it every week and, like, I'm ready for him to wrestle against Roman Reigns for the title. I'm ready to see it. Yeah, so... Like I say, at this like really basic fundamental level of what we do, I think people really react to the effort. And I know that sounds so basic, but 
he wears the effort you see it on his body and it might be partly because of the pale skin but you see his chest it, you know not just against gunfire it can be against anyone but he's bright red his chest he's got scratches and scrapes and marks all over him and he's he's wearing the effort that he's putting in and that, that's what i think leads to those visceral reactions uh and maybe up to this point in his career um obviously he's he's been putting in that effort but to a point it goes unnoticed but eventually whether it be now or obviously 15 years ahead and he's been doing that that whole time and you've been seeing that happen to him eventually you're going to get your flowers and that that night in cardiff that's what happened he finally got his flowers and, you know, we're so proud of him and, and grateful for that audience for giving him that moment. And also for the, that whole setup of the show, you know, the camera staying on him and, and watching him stand up there and watching the people react to him. And it's genuine and it's real because they've seen the war and the effort that he's, that he's gone through, not just in that one match, but over the course of 15 years. And he's still here and he's still putting in that effort, maybe more than ever. Um, and I hope that when I've been in WWE for 15, 16 years, I hope, People see the same in me, and I hope, uh, and and I know Ridgefield's the same, and um, yeah. So in that sense, he's a he's a great role model. Yeah, that effort is a hundred percent the reason why you know going into that match in in Cardiff, I feel like you guys were technically heels, but coming out of it, you guys have been getting baby huge babyface reactions everywhere. That it essentially turned you guys babyface now. Yeah, obviously we, you know, it's a bit fun. It's a bit silly. We chant banger after banger after banger, but like that—that that is the mindset. It's just like I said, name aside, character aside, gimmick aside. For everyone, this is not just me. Really, the bell rings. You've got time to go out there and work, find the best show you can. And if we continue to do that, Seamus continues to do that when he gets singles matches. If if we can start start and continue to do that with bringing Ridge up and, and having this uh, tag team together and putting on the best show we possibly can, then I hope that people still continue to react in that way. And you talk about heel or face or whatever, again, the best reactions are when it's visceral, when it's real. Um, and, you know, I'm so happy that we have Seamus leading us in that respect because because of those matches, people are really jumping on, on board and there's a knock-on effect to us. And now when we get our chance, like, you know, we've had a, a, a few in the last couple of months, we've had a few more chances and they're going to keep on coming. And we're just going to try and knock them out of the park every time. Well, I think that Donnie Brook match was a good example of that. I mean, you guys, that was a brutal match. You guys beat the hell out of each other in it. But I think that the fans could see that same effort from you and Ridge when given the opportunity as well. Yeah. And, and to their credit, same with Imperium, right? They have that similar mindset. Um, and obviously all of us coming from Europe um, and, you know, wrestling each other a whole bunch of times. We know what to expect. We know what it's going to be. That was always the mindset with NXT back in the day too, was, was just going out there and having the best match that we that we possibly can. Um, and, and just keeping that same mentality together and going out there and just putting on the, the best, most violent match we possibly can. And, and hopefully having a slightly different feel to anything else on the, on the card. That's the aim. Well, as someone who was there during nxt's heyday you know at takeovers the you know, some of the most popular takeovers and now you're here on the main roster as triple h has taken over head of creative um do you feel like the backstage energy and the overall vibe is more similar to nxt than the way it was when you first came to the main roster uh i guess to a point but it's it's hard to compare what nxt was then because 
there was a whole group of us that were finally getting a chance in a big company after wrestling for 10 plus years out in the independence. We all already, most of us anyway, already had a bond with each other. Um, and then that takeover sort of model, if you want to call it that, was you could almost live takeover to takeover. The weekly TV was great, but people knew you could just tune into takeover and see those one-off great matches four or five times a year. Um, so everything, everything built to that, everything was built around that. And it wasn't as much of a variety show as the main roster can be. And also you wasn't catering to that big of an audience, although it was still, still very big. Right. Um, it was, it was a, a little more niche and all of us had that bond backstage or most of us for the most part. So it's hard to compare, compare it to what NXT was in that sense, or even what NXT is now. It is completely different, but definitely there's a real positive vibe backstage. Um, and I, I, you know, I can only speak for myself and, and who I'm surrounded with. And just in the past three months, I feel like Seamus Ridge and myself, we've come on leaps and bounds. Me and Seamus were actually, we, we were talking about it yesterday. When we look at where we were three months ago to now, it feels like a whole year or two has passed, but it's so condensed and it's been such a fun ride and, and uh, I can't wait to see where it leads to in the next few months. I literally have written down here as my next note in the last few months of the group being together. You guys have developed great on-screen chemistry together. And I, you can see it as a viewer for sure. Like you guys, I don't know. I mean, obviously you were to some degree, I would, well, you and Ridge knew each other, but you were still kind of like with Seamus, the strangers to some degree, you know? So you can see that he has taken like a, a mentorship bond with you guys and, and it comes across on TV. And I also think, over the last three months, it's helped seeing the two, you know, you and Ridge kind of get to be a little bit more of yourselves as the character to some degree, maybe not necessarily wearing like the suspenders at all times and kind of like getting to be a more comfortable version of how you would perceive the character. Yeah, I don't see why Butch as a character is crazy and unpredictable, but I don't see why I can't wear pro, you know, pro wrestling gear. It's, it, you know, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Some people actually like the other look. Uh, for me personally, I feel more comfortable in that. That's, you know, most of my, that 10 years I spent on the independence. And, and to be honest, even my next run, it was all about the in-ring work. So that's where I'm at my most comfortable. The backstage stuff and the microphone stuff, I mean, it's no secret, but that's what lags behind for me. And I feel like this is one point in my career where we're getting more confident with that. I'm, you know, Seamus is bringing me up a little bit more with that. And then obviously we're trying to help Ridge along as somebody who's, at least compared to us, relatively new to the business and instilling confidence in him. And you can just see, you know, all three of us, it's all starting to build up together. Um, and I, I do think too, in, a, in some ways, we help Seamus too, because, you know, he's got us to fall back on and to rely on and talk to and to, to push ideas around. And uh, obviously, I've wrestled for a very long time too. So I have my own views and opinions and ideas and all that kind of stuff that, and, and to his credit, he's super open to all of that too. So we're always bouncing ideas off each other and it's a really, really fun process. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy that I came up to the main roster in this group. It definitely gives you that setting in period where you get to, to grips of things up there that isn't necessarily the stuff in my that's in my wheelhouse that I do best, like you said, the microphone work or the sort of the backstage type stuff. But then when it comes to the in-ring stuff, that's where my mind comes in and where I can help out and give as many ideas as I can. So... You know, we all bounce off each other and we all help each other out. Of course, now we're traveling together. We're all really great friends. Feels like I've known Seamus for the whole time I've been wrestling. Reality, it's been, what, less than a year since I came up. So, yeah, it's it's all been a whirlwind. It's been really fast, but super enjoyable. Well, I think it's a perfect mix of things. You know, you've got 
Um, someone like Seamus, who I think when you are there for 15 years, it helps to have young, hungry people around you that are like, well, I haven't been, I maybe even wrestling since I was 12 years old, but you know, this is my, I haven't been on, you know, WWE TV for 10 years or 15 years or whatever. So, you know, you have his, you know, veteran knowledge there of WWE combined with like the young, hungry energy of you and Ridge to kind of like re-energize him. And it, and it really has helped. I, I, I feel like in making, you know, giving him something to kind of like dig his teeth into and really, you know, get, you know, get over it with the audience and people are loving it. Like I'm, like I said before, I'm ready to see Seamus challenge for the title. Yeah, to be honest with that, the youthful uh, energy and stuff, that's coming from him. We joke, I'm like the, the old man of the group. I'm the level-headed uh, uh, old man of the group. And then Seamus is the youthful energy. And you know, in a, in a strange way, I think that's that works too. Like I pull him back sometimes and he brings me up sometimes. And, uh, and then obviously having Ridge there too, he's just untapped potential, um, who's had a really unfortunate start to his run on the main roster and NXT to with injuries to himself and then obviously the, the Big E situation and, and whatnot. It's been a whole lot of stop-start and never really got the chance to get going or show what he's capable of. And finally now it feels like we can hopefully leave so much of that in the past and now show the raw potential that's there. You know, he's a great athlete. Um, he looks to party big and strong and loves, loves wrestling. Um, and I hope that, you know, that's something I'm taking a responsibility with too is like, I want to have the best match that we possibly can for both of us. I want to show off what he can do, show the world what he's capable of. And uh, in turn for myself, because I had that sort of eight, nine months of being um, not being able to show it, really showing off that in-ring work. Well, what's your, uh, what's your relationship like with Triple H? You guys got a good relationship? Yeah, it's great. He's a great boss to work for. Um, yeah, I, there's no bad things at all to say. I love the time under him in NXT. NXT UK was, was a blast. He's always been great with me. He's super approachable. Um, and I was just, to be honest, I was just really happy to see him back in any capacity. Um, obviously, when he when he came back from his troubles, um, it was just great to have him around, see him in some capacity, see him back to work. Um, and then for now, for him to be heading creative and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's even better because he's there every week. He's fully involved and, He's so approachable, you know, I can go to him with, with any small thing. Um, and, and to be honest, a lot of times I can leave him to it. and I have full trust in him, you know. Uh, that whole UK tournament and all that, the trust that he put in me to do that, uh, to that point, he'd probably seen me have one tryout match. He probably had watched footage of me and stuff separately, but I hadn't even met him until till the, I would say, the press conference, which was a few weeks before the UK tournament. And then never worked with him until the UK tournament. And he had full trust in me to go out there and have, what, three or four matches that weekend to be the sort of the ongoing story throughout that weekend and to sort of build the UK title around me. Uh, myself and Tyler, Trent, Mark Andrews, others. You know, the, the trust that he put into me there. So ever since then, I'm, my full trust is in him. So um, I try not to bother him too much, but I know that he's there. And I know that he's approachable. And I know I'm always going to enjoy the creative that's there and I'm going to do my best the best I possibly can with it. That's crazy that you didn't meet him until the press conference. I would think that you would have met him before that for sure, since they had like this whole thing riding on you guys. Well, I'm trying to remember. I definitely, I definitely met him very, very briefly. Me and Tyler did a, 
like a dark match before the show to test the cameras in Glasgow where we had our tryout. Regal picked us us two up to, to go and wrestle. And I remember he was on his phone or whatever. And then we were in there and we were just we were just taking it as a job interview, right? So we were out there just putting our best foot forward, putting on the best match we possibly could. And then I remember halfway through, he puts his phone down and just starts watching. And I remember him standing there and watching the whole thing. So afterwards, me and Tyler hung around. Uh, he was actually talking to Chris Jericho and we, we stood by the rail, you know, really awkwardly. And we thought, we've got to, we've got to get five minutes with him if we can. Uh, and then eventually uh, Jericho turned around and asked us if we were okay, what we needed. And we said, oh, you know, we just wanted to, to make sure everything you saw was okay. If there's anything we could do different to improve and get your thoughts. And uh, Triple H basically just said, no, it was great. And then Jericho said, I'll, I'll just give me five minutes. I'll come talk to you. And we had a good chat with him and he had some really kind words to say and stuff. That was the only like, brief in, encounter I'd had with Triple H, but... Between that and obviously Regal, I'm sure was a big part of it. Um, that's what led to the UK tournament, and that was where I built more of a relationship with him. But but even there, obviously, he was so busy; it was so brief. I remember I was I was UK champion by the time that we actually sat down together and and uh, had a more casual conversation. Um, that was uh, quite a long time after because it was such a whirlwind. But like I said, that trust he put in me, so I'll always have trust in him. He's uh, great to work for. Whenever I think of you in Triple H, I always think of that that moment of the whole, of, you know, when you attack Sam Gradwell and then he comes back and there's the whole ruckus backstage and then he tells you to to make a name for yourself. That's, the, that's like the main image I have of the two of you. You know what? I, I use that moment a lot as well when the, the Butch character was first sort of, because I, I don't, I can't even really remember what was pitched to me, but. I just know it needed to be unpredictable and aggressive and, you know, kind of like a pit bull. But when I think back to my, my initial moment in WWE that connected me with so many people, was it was that, the unpredictable nature of me running across the stage and taking out Gradwell and just causing absolute chaos. And you had, you know, Regal in my face. And th then I thought back to that and I'm like, I feel like I've always had elements of this. It's just with the type of matches that I put on and just the nature of NXT, I feel like at some points we get away from that and we focus more on the in-ring work. So that was definitely one of those those moments that I used to go, okay, there's definitely elements in what I was doing that's almost exactly the same as this. I've probably just got to amp it up and, and be a bit more in your face with it, be at 100 more of the time. Um, yeah, but that was one of those moments there. And that moment was huge for me when I think back. Like Again, it wasn't a case of just not only trusting us to go out there and put in the matches we did, but also giving us moments like that with Regal in my face and, and me almost sort of smiling about it and then walking backstage and having that that moment with Triple H. Things like that really legitimise you. And I'm so grateful I got to do that because it's changed my life. It's changed, obviously, my my daughter's life now, my wife's life, all, all from those those moments and that trust that was put into us. Did you take that to heart? Even though I obviously it was part of, you know, a, a television product or whatever, but when that was said to you, you know, did that kind of put a chip on your shoulder? Like, well, crap, now I do have to go make a name for myself because one of the top people told me to do it? To be honest with you, I was so comfortable in the ring. As I had a decade of experience, I did it since I was 12. You know, for me, I was so comfortable in that setting that I was relatively unfazed by the whole thing. I, I did still find the, you know, uh, talking aspect of it and the backstage stuff. I still had my sort of, uh, a bit of a... Uh, anxiety around that at times that was where more of the nerves would creep in but in terms of anything and luckily with the setup of NXT it was all about in-ring quality and honestly I can I can say there was no nerves ever 
I was relatively unfazed by it all. And I, that's why I think I've managed to connect so well with people at that time because I was so in the moment. There, there wasn't that that nervous energy around me at all. I was completely confident with what I was doing. Um, so it was more of a being able to do that. I was self-aware enough to go to, to sort of know that what that was going to do for me outside of that. Obviously, you have to remember at the time I was still doing the independence uh, alongside of it. And I knew what those kind of moments were going to do for me. And I was super, super grateful. Well, okay. What before we move too far away from NXT UK, uh, what was your reaction to the news that NXT UK is now taking a hiatus and that it would be rebranded in the future as NXT Europe? Anything in regards to UK and Europe, I'm always excited for. A huge reason being, I get to go home. Any opportunity to go home and see my family and get my wife and daughter back is amazing. But also, uh, I owe so much to the the. British, European scene, whatever you want to say. Uh, we were lucky enough to have such a good group of us all around going under the radar for, like I say, a decade until it all really started to blow up. Um, and to have that experience of going out there and doing those shows under the radar, making every mistake and f- tweaking them and fixing them ourselves and having like-minded people around. I'm so uh, grateful for that time in my career. I feel like that's something that it's really difficult to get now with how the internet is and Twitter and whatnot. When something's good, people see it immediately. Well, we were doing good stuff, but we still weren't good yet, you know? So having that extra time under the radar to do that and so many fun memories and traveling around the place and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I hope that it gets wrong again. And I hope that, um, in fact, I know it will get wrong again. And I, and I really hope that a lot of the, those British talent that deserve it get back on board with an even bigger spotlight. That'd be incredible to see. Yeah, amen to that. All right, let's move on to something a little more positive. We'll move. On. We I had to get the one uh, sad question out of the way. But let's get. Let's move on to something non wrestling related. Like I said, I feel like you're fairly private, so I don't know a lot of things about you, the person. I want to ask you two things before I wrap things up. And one is, so are, are you a texter? You text. You text people, right? Yeah. Do you use emojis when you're texting? Uh, I use the the crying laughing face one a fair bit, or, or the thumbs up. They're about the only two I'd say. Did you see? Okay, I'm really glad you said that because those are my two absolute most used emojis by far. And then the other day, I saw this article where it said that um, there was like some study done where they interviewed like 2,000 British kids between the ages of like 16 and then older ones of 29. And there were it said it was the there are ten emojis that the, that when you text and use them it make you seem old and those were the top two and I was like wait crap that's the one that I use now for you I'm sure that's not as bad of news since you already feel like you're an old person but I was like oh man like I thought those are the two most used common like the most common emojis for everybody yeah I'm not, I'm not surprised honestly since I, I started resting at twelve and I would say probably from from by 14, I was, you know, going around the country doing shows and people were telling me I'm like an old man. So it really doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, it was the thumbs up emoji, the heart, the OK sign, the poo emoji uh, and a few other ones. But yeah, I, that one disappointed me. Uh, all right, let's go. Let me ask something else. What's a what's something you've drawn inspiration from recently? Maybe not necessarily in wrestling, but in your personal life. Um, in terms of with wrestling, I'm a big fan of MMA and UFC, so there's a lot of influence that, that sort of comes from there. And then, honestly, my my real life, like outside of wrestling, 
it's it's pretty dull. I won't lie. I love training. I love hanging around with my daughter. Like we're taking her out, trying to give her the most fun life we possibly can. Um, but yeah, it's it's relatively dull to be honest. Like I say, I'm an old man. Well, okay, but uh, but but even being a dad might be dull. But there's some fun moments. Like, what do you guys have? Like, what's a, a typical day of you, the two of you, if you got if you have to watch her for the day, you, and you're gonna do something fun with her? Like, what are you gonna do? Um, so she she'll come and work out with me. That's that's probably uh, a good bonding moment for us. Obviously, I have the, the gym in the garage, so she'll come out there. And to be fair, she, I've got her a little um, like plastic weight set. So she'll be copying me. She'll be following along. She'll be playing along. And it, there'll be Disney songs on in the background. So imagine that Butch working out to Disney songs. That's a, that's a daily occurrence now. Um, but yeah, that's a great bonding moment for us, for sure. What's All right. What Disney songs are getting you the most pumped up when you're working out? Because some of those ones aren't as exciting for working out. Well, today it was the Little Mermaid soundtrack. So that one wasn't exactly uh, great workout music. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what you wanted to. Yeah, that's, I, I don't, I, yeah, I feel like there's, because Under the Sea, that's a popping song, that might get you a going a little bit when you're working out, but then there's a lot of like slow songs in that movie too. Yeah, it wasn't great, it was really distracting, but like I say, even if I tried to change it, she could speak to Alexa and uh, put some else on, so. Oh, she can already speak to Alexa now at this point and change it? Yeah, she's making a demand shouting at Alexa, so I wouldn't even bother trying to, uh trying to change it <laughs> oh man yeah i i do like i'm not bumping disney music usually but i i like i like disney music yeah i, I don't <laughs> but like i said she loves it and it is the other thing too it gives my wife a break and she gets to come in and exercise and move around so uh yeah it, it and to be honest it's always great fun she gets involved in the workouts as much as she can What's okay? What's your least favorite Disney soundtrack that you that you've had to listen to? Um, I'm trying to think. They're all, they're all on par, honestly. They're all on par. The same. <laughs> they all suck. <laughs> I said at the start of this, it's, it's moving wallpaper, mate. They're just all on par. It's just nothing stands out anymore. <laughs> I I feel like the Aladdin soundtrack. That's a good soundtrack. Lion King, Aladdin. Those ones are good. Yeah, like, honestly, a lot of them, I can't even decipher, really. I just uh, Honestly, when I say moving wallpaper, these kids' songs and kids' videos and stuff, it's just on 24-7. It gets to a point where you just zone out and you don't even don't even realize it's on anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I get that. We, we take care of someone with dementia, me, my wife, and just kind of, like, have funny things on in the background at all times just so that they're focused on something. So I, I, I can totally... Uh, understand that. So wait, okay, you're saying you're dull. Do you not have like any nerdy hobby, like a video, you don't play video games, you don't like, you don't have like something that's like your nerdy little thing you don't talk about? I'm the worst video game player ever. I have no, no there's no like, um, like competitive spirit for me when it comes to it. I just, honestly, I'm terrible. I'm like no, to the point where I'm no fun to play with. <laughs> Just perhaps it's just the lads are always playing in the locker room or whatever, and they're always trying to get me to play. But I just honestly, I'll just ruin the fun. Are you the kind of person when you're playing that you can't like, um, like with the when you're doing like a first person shooter where you're like looking up here and stuff? Is that you playing the game? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm either button smashing or, or 
yeah, I'm just getting beat in seconds. Nothing I, in between. My fiance is the same way because she didn't grow up playing video games. So, like, I'll, I'll think it's so easy just to, like, walk from point A to point B in the video game. And she's just, like, her character's up, staring up in the sky, walking in a weird direction. I'm like, no, what do you just, – just point forward. And it's, it's very frustrating. So I, I understand that mentality of it's not even fun to play with them. I grew up playing them, but I can't believe how difficult they've got in the time that I stopped. It's, it's completely different. Like, I tried to play the UFC game, and honestly, I think it would be easier to learn to be a UFC fighter than to learn to play that game to a high level. Same with FIFA. I tried to play that not too long ago. I was just absolutely terrible. Everyone's so good. Dude, that UFC game is hard. I am completely with you on that. You would think it's just like punch, kick, take down, maybe a submission move, but it's like... It's so much more intricate than that. And I oh, all those games, I think that when we were younger, it was like the point was anyone could pick up a controller and play. You know how the basic concept of soccer works. You pick it up. You're going down the field. I used to, be able to play football games for the same reason. Like you're just passing the ball down the field. But now if you don't watch that specific thing, you're, you're done. Like you're so you're not you're not even gonna have an idea of how to grasp it at all. Well, FIFA was the game when we when we were kids. That's what everyone plays, you know. And like it, again, it was a fun game to play. But now we're trying to jump on and catch up with how complicated it's got. And it, I don't even bother trying to play online. It's just yeah, there's no way. Everyone's just way too good now. Are, do you watch soccer? Are you excited for the World Cup? Uh, I'll definitely watch the World Cup for sure. Yeah, I get into it when England are playing a lot more than than otherwise. Um, I played soccer when I was a kid and, and followed Birmingham City, which was the, the local team. Then got into wrestling and fell out of it a little bit. But anytime a, an England competition rolls around, whether it be obviously the, the Euros recently, and, and they got really far in it too, so that was exciting. Or the World Cup coming, I'll be tuning in for sure. All right, Matthew, one more question, and then I'm going to go into my closing questions here. But I read those lists online a lot where it says, like, you know, 10 things you didn't know about Butch or, you know, Pete Dunn. Uh, what's one thing you never see on there that you would like people to know about you? Uh, I just – I actually just uh, opened up a gym back in Birmingham, back home, which is a, a new really exciting thing in my life. Um so, yeah, that's something that I haven't fully promoted yet. Uh, we're still getting things right and getting it set up. But that's taken a lot of time and a lot of attention at the minute. So uh, that's definitely something I'm excited to share properly once we, we feel like we're in a place to. What's it called? Uh, Will Clare Fitness Club. It's just a local gym in, in the sort of area that I grew up in, Birmingham. Uh, it's been running for the past, like, 25 years or so. But myself, my brother, and one of my cousins have just acquired it and we're putting, a, you know, putting a lot into it and trying to make it the best it can be. So I'm excited to uh, to get home and put the finishing touches on it and then then properly promote it to the world. Well, you're going home soon for this European tour. I know you're 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 almost there for that. You got TV first, but let's uh before we wrap things up, I want to ask, I want to close this with the way I close every show. We opened it with the way I opened every show. Now let's close it with a segment that I call. The finishing move. Uh, obviously, you've got the bitter end. So who's your favorite superstar to hit the bitter end on and why? Uh, Mark Andrews, because he just flies. He goes so high, makes it look amazing. Uh, was the bitter end a name that you came up with or did someone else name that move? Uh, people ask me that, but I think it was Nigel McGuinness. I'm pretty sure when we first did that UK tournament, 
they had other names for it on the independence and stuff. Nothing ever really stuck. And even for me, I always just say pump handle. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was uh, Nigel. I'd have to ask him, but I'm fairly confident it came from him. I always think it's cool when it's the the announcer who came up with it, and you're like, man, that was a, that was a good call, man. I'm going to roll with that. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. And, and I lean into people like that because they're definitely you know, very creative. And especially spur of the moment, some of the things they come out with that we hear and we can use. Um, and I feel like that was probably one of them. I'd, def- I'd have to ask him and find out. Uh, and lastly, what's the most memorable time that you've hit your finishing move on someone? Uh, it would probably have to be winning the UK title from Tyler in Chicago. Because that match just put us on the map completely. We, we'd already had the, the UK tournament, which exposed us to obviously a lot more people. But um, a lot of that still felt condensed to the UK. And then going out there, the stage was set. It was, Chicago is a great wrestling town. And then going out there and having the opportunity. We wrestled each other hundreds of times. You know, I had a hand in training Tyler. I've known him since he was a kid. Um, so again, no nerves, completely comfortable, just going out there. People didn't really know what to expect to, and that always helps. Um, and yeah, it's not something I've gone back and, and watched often, but I do remember that moment hitting my finish, uh, getting the pin on him, and the people people were reacting crazy and knowing that we'd done something special, and then walking to the back and being greeted by everybody, and uh, it was a, a completely crazy time. All right, well, Butch, I appreciate you doing this very much. I know it's not the norm for you to sit here and do a 45 minute discussion. We took you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I appreciate you doing it very much. I'm loving everything you're doing on SmackDown and hopefully I see you in the future at a, at a future event or something. Thanks mate. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Peace. All right. That was my conversation with Butch from the brawling brutes. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Super cool guy. Interesting to hear about the man behind the character. It's kind of like like I, I spoke about Gunther during the episode, and it reminded me of that. You know, seeing a different side of a guy who doesn't necessarily do a ton of these type of interviews. All right, before we get out of here, let me do a little bit of shilling for all the various things. First, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you're subscribed to this channel. That's where you can find this show every Wednesday on video, and you can even hit the little bell so you get notified when it goes live. There's clips from Raw and SmackDown. There's YouTube shorts. There's community tab. There's so much happening. So make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Also, like I said in the beginning of the show, make sure you're subscribed to the Add a Character podcast feed as well. That's where you can find the Raw and SmackDown Roundup podcasts every week where I'm breaking down both of those shows segment by segment, giving my thoughts on everything that happened. There's also... A best of the week that comes out every Sunday where it's a little truncated version of everything we've done in the podcast feed throughout the week. And also, if you're there, hook it up with a rating or a review. I think uh, Apple Podcasts is the only place where you can write out a review. But if you're on Spotify, you can hit the stars. You can still give us a rating. So hook it up. I read a lot of those. uh, I I read a lot of the reviews on the Roundup podcast. So go hook it up. And I'll read yours, too. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. WWE on Fox on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. That's where you can find us. Make sure that you're following us there. (sighs) Okay, I did it all. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.